Hi, I'm Alex. Hi, I'm Liz. And welcome to The Research Room, a space to make research by the people, for the people. And today we are going to be talking about resilience. And actually this whole month we're going to be talking about resilience. Um, We have a whole lot of different uh, topics uh, dealing with uh, just the one (laughs) title of resilience. Um, There's so many things that go into it, right? Um, To to think about like what makes a resilient person. Like it's not just one simple thing. Uh, So there's so many things that go into it that we decided we're going to take a whole month (laughs) to try to unpack that. Um, As we rightfully should. Right. Uh, Due diligence. Exactly. You know, as we should, because like i mean we we live in such a crazy time right now right like this is this is not an easy period of our lives um i, I think resilience is probably in a pr- pretty appropriate uh, topic to cover um okay. so we have this paper here today uh, it is titled disaster preparation and recovery lessons from research on resilience and human development uh, this is by Mastin and Oberdovic uh, back in 2008. So this is not um, that new of a paper. Um, this has been around, but like this paper also came out after 40 years of research on um, on resilience. So like this is a nice just kind of review of the literature up until this point um, to tell us like, hey, what have we actually learned here? And like what's left over for us to learn? Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, very well done uh, paper. And um, yeah, I mean, just thinking again about like all the different things that are happening in our lives right now. Um, you can think about like, I mean, your own personal lives and like, uh, you could also think about like just in society, all the different um, disasters that are happening, uh, whether that is man-made or if that is um, a natural disaster. I mean, unfortunately there's, there's no um, shortage of things that are happening. So the more that we can like cultivate uh, this idea of resilience, um, like, yes, it doesn't solve all the problems, but like it can make at least going through these things a little bit easier. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna read just like one quote that I think, um, it, like, again, this is written back in 2008, but like, it's, uh, it's just as true now. Um, so a threat of catastrophe looms over the beginning of the 21st century, which opened with an alarming sequence of massive disasters in the form of terrorist attacks, wars, a tsunami, hurricanes, and outbreaks of disease. <sighs> Uh, The mass media are saturated with stories of a possible flu pandemic and a global warming, along with the reports of ongoing genocide, terrorism, and natural disaster events. If only they were living in 2021. So relevant (laughs) to what is happening right now. It blows me like away. I'm like, how is this? How is this accurate? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's, it's so insane that like literally word for word, that is exactly what we're experiencing right now. Um, And it's, it's only gotten worse. Like with, um, with environmental uh, disasters only getting uh, worse uh, with uh, terrorism and uh, the attacks um, that uh, I mean, the U S either takes part in or is uh, a victim of Um, there's, there's plenty of, of things that happen. And so like, how, how can we uh, think about resilience? How can we actually like uh, form this idea in our heads and like uh, work together to hopefully like build a more resilient society moving forward? Um, uh, yeah, that's, 
Um, yeah, like we could spend our whole podcast on this. We we don't we're not going to linger on how negative society is right now. Yeah. Um, we do want to focus on the positive. So maybe Liz, if you could just like tell us what is resilience? At least what how can we think of it right now? Yeah, so I like how they define it here, but I mean it is kind of subjective. So let me first like read uh, you know the quote. So it says to judge resilience, um, one must decide whether there has been exposure um, to significant adversity or risk, um, and whether the person or more broadly, um, the living system is functioning effectively and doing what it's supposed to be doing. So yeah, I feel like that's like very encompassing, but at the same time, it could be viewed as like relatively subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the whole idea of like, are you doing what you should be doing? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Who does what? Like, that does not apply to everyone. Like, I mean, it does apply to everyone, but like, what that means to everyone is, of course, different. So, like, yeah, it's super subjective. But I also wonder, like, is that the better way to go about this? Because resilience is so subjective. Because everyone's context is different. Because everyone's backgrounds are different. Like, should we leave it at that more like subjective like stage? Yeah, I feel like there's a place for that. You know, because when we're thinking about certain like you know, uh, populations and stuff, like let's consider like, you know, ethnic minorities, right? They're going through like more obstacles and challenges. So, right, like resilience there might be so different than it is for like the majority population or somebody who belongs to that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's tons of um, research on this, uh, this idea that just like, I mean, everyday life is just, it's different uh, if you are yeah. the majority versus the minority. Um, and like, it can be super, super like a, a overt uh, sorts of like discrimination that you're facing. Um, but it also could be like other things that just like, don't really like, they're not consciously like, like in your attention or anything like that, but like just the idea of like having to fit in, like having to assimilate to another culture that's not necessarily yours. Like if you grew up a different way and then all of a sudden like, oh, now, now you have to like start, start like socializing with all these other people that like, they talk in a different way. They like bring yeah. up different uh, topics. They like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's different. Right. Um, and it's stressful. And then that like, that's going to seep into your body and like your psychology as well. It's interesting too, in terms of like how many events, right? So like one person may experience so many events, right? And it's kind of like one compounded upon the other, you know? So I feel like mm -hmm. research needs to take that into account, you know, that things are like very complex and like multifaceted at the like individual level. Right. And I, I, I think this paper, like luckily, um, so this isn't necessarily like the empirical kinds of articles that we've been going through so far, where it's not, it's not a, like a study that they did themselves to like capture resilience and see like what were the predictors or outcomes or anything like that. Um, they, they really just wanted to see like a little bit more, like I'll say theoretically, like how things uh, unfold, like what are the things that go into resilience? Um, what are different pathways to it? And like this, um, and I, like that all just reminds me of like what you just said, uh, Liz, that like um, if this, uh, if it's something that like compounds, right? Like what one person's uh, starting points is going to be different, uh, how they end up like dealing with the disaster is going to be different. Like, because everyone's just like at different stages um, when yeah. things happen. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, I, I think this paper focuses mostly on like huge, like stressing, uh, stressful kind of events. Um, but we can also think of like just everyday resilience. Like it is, it's a tough thing just to like go day by day um, uh, to, to live, right? Uh, there's plenty of, of like work stressors or like just like talking to like, I don't know, your partner, or, like other friends that like might be going through things like, or you're going through something, right? Um, so yeah, there's this everyday kind of resilience 
resilience. Um, but this does end up focusing more on the like huge, like this is like a, an event that's really impacting everyone. And then like threatening that. context, that sort right. of thing. Yeah. So they they end up doing like a really good job here. Uh, where like I, like I mean, maybe I should have said that first. Like I really like this paper. Like it's yeah. um, it, I mean, it's not um, a psychology paper. It's it's in human ecology, right? Like it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, very related, of course, but uh, yeah, I mean, just how multifaceted they they were thinking um, when they're thinking about uh, resilience. It's not just it's not any one component. It's really the the everything <laughs> that you yeah. should be thinking about. That's um, why it's so, so interesting that they bring up you know psychological things. Mm. So in this paper, a big emphasis is on attachment. Mm. You know, so attachment theory, attachment style. So I thought it was cool how they were like borrowing certain ideas from like psychology also like cultural anthropology like Bronfenbrenner things like that yeah oh, okay so uh, th- those are both super cool things uh, I will make sure that we circle back to that yeah, um, but first uh, let's l- continue laying out resilience um, so like even uh, for like the people viewing this right now like you can think about like maybe you have like the prototypical person in your mind like um, that person's like super resilient like you can think of like that kind of person and like maybe <laughs> maybe you're that person maybe you're not that person there's no judgment either way um, we, we all have things to be dealing with um, but you, you you probably have some sense of what resiliency means right but i think this paper does a really good job of just like outlining it's not just one thing like resilience can really be multiple different things um so they they have a figure here that i will um hopefully (laughs) share my screen correctly very involved figure yes it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be very involved um i will try my best to walk through it um and Liz will hopefully help me <laughs> as well. <clears throat> no guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, put this in presenter view. Okay, so um, what we have here is uh, maybe a few things uh, from the top. Uh, we have a pre-disaster phase, a crisis phase, and a recovery phase. So what does that mean? Pre-disaster phase is just your life right now. Uh, if, if nothing else was happening, if there was no disaster that had occurred yet, you're living your day-to-day life, right? Um, that's wherever you are. Uh, and then um, a crisis phase. So this is right after the onset of like a natural disaster, let's say. Let's say there's a massive like earthquake um, that destroyed a lot of things, a lot of people were displaced, things like that, a major stressor that many people are feeling. That is uh, the beginning of the crisis phase. And then we have the recovery phase. So after that, um, like it's an acute thing, right? Like it it happened at one single point of time. The effects are of course more uh, longitudinal uh, than that and and more chronic. Um, But that's why we get into this recovery phase that like uh, there's like the initial stress and then there's like the lingering stress uh, that happens. And like, what happens in that recovery phase? Some people might get better. Some people might get worse. Um, So then uh, on the left side and then this like Y axis, um, if we go from bottom to top, we have a maladaptive zone and okay zone and an optimal zone. And this is just um, thinking about how well people are functioning. Um, Are they uh, functioning at at, like a relatively like poor kind of level where they're like very stressed out and like they're just not able to like really um, process and grasp everything that's happening? Are they in this okay zone where like, I mean, maybe they're not feeling like great, but like they are still like at least functioning well. They're, They're doing uh, their day-to-day like tasks and they're more or less fine and there's the optimal zone which is like that's like even better <laughs> than like ideal <laughs> right exactly um and so uh i'm gonna uh, reveal all the lines um it'll take a second to go through everything here so these are all different 
resilience paths. Um, and some of them will show the more like uh, typical, like when I think of resilience, this is what I, like, what I would think about. And then there's all these other um, types of paths that could occur. So um, maybe I'll just like actually start with, uh, as long as you can like see it well, yeah, um, there okay. is <laughs> there's a line C and line C here is the typical uh, resilience path where uh, you're in your uh, pre-disaster phase, you are in the okay zone, you're fine, you're living your day to day. And then the uh, disaster happens, whatever that disaster is, and that takes you down, as you can see um, here. Can you actually see the cursor? Like if I'm... I can. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Um, so uh, that is, you can see there's a pretty steep drop off. Um, you're no longer in that like okay zone, um, but that's fine. That's normal. Like people get stressed out. You don't always have to be in that okay zone, um, but disaster happened. You need to um, recover from it. Uh, and you will probably stay there for a little bit uh, as you are just like psychologically like figuring out like, oh, like, wow, like uh, I didn't like necessarily expect like this was going to be so damaging. Like even if you did expect it like it, it, that doesn't matter like there is literally just a lot of damage that I have to deal with um so you're, you're gonna be um, stressed out for a little bit but eventually you'll come back up uh, things will be okay maybe that's a month from now maybe that's six months from now but uh, eventually At some point <laughs> Um, so you come back up and that's that's what you might expect for like most people um, and that that in itself is resilience even though it doesn't seem like oh like like I was doing super well or anything like that but like just the mere fact that like you went through something uh, like a super hardship but you you made it back like you're fine um, that in itself is resilience um, there's these other paths though uh, that show that like people actually can end up better than where they were before um, so that's uh, like with lines F with line E uh, and that might be the only other one here. Yeah. So lines E and F, um, those two uh, end up um, getting better after the fact. So after the disaster happens, they actually start functioning better. Uh, and like uh, the difference between these two, though, is that um, beforehand, one wasn't necessarily doing so well. The other one was doing pretty well. Um, but that doesn't end up mattering, right? Like it's, and that's, that's what makes like resilience so complex. Like you wouldn't necessarily expect somebody that like, if they, if they weren't doing well before, like, why are they suddenly doing better now? But it's like, there's so many things that happen uh, with like a huge kind of disasters, right? Like if, if you are now forced to have to like help people, if you're now forced to like be, become a part of the community, like maybe, maybe that person was feeling like kind of isolated beforehand, but like now that um, this hurricane hit, like now I'm like relating to other people on a different level that like I hadn't related to them before. Right. And so now I mean, you're helping them, you're passing out water bottles, like you, you're helping people like get things out of the house, like whatever it is. Um, and you just end up feeling a little bit better after that. Um, like it, you it, like took your relationships for granted before. Mm. And then like that event, like prompted you to like really think and be like, Oh, wow, I really should like cherish the people in my life. You know, something like that. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, and like, again, like that is not like to judge anyone. Like we all do that, right? Like we get stuck in the day to day. Uh, we kind of forget like, Oh yeah. Like I, I haven't actually like expressed any gratitude to anyone in a while. Like, uh, but like, these are things that like really um, they're important to our psychology, to our well being, to like our own, just like human fulfillment right um so uh, we have that kind of person we also have another person that like they were doing pretty well and then they do even better 
and it's like I oh girl like uh, <laughs> I hate you perfect person but um <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really feel <laughs> <laughs> but like these might be like the the natural born like leaders if like if that actual person exists right like those are the people that like they were doing pretty well like they're doing well in work like they they probably have like good social connections and then they saw like oh there's like a need here like for me to like actually like to maybe take charge or like to maybe like do something about this situation and like they do they just like function even better now <laughs> that uh that, that uh, it's necessary i guess sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say that's good you know yeah <laughs> good outcome right um if only we could all be that person but like whatever <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh there's uh those kinds of resiliency paths i think a lot of people um like also like in the scientific like literature um, that they would classify that as like resilience, right? Um, it's not only uh, that like you went through something, but like you ended up a little bit better because of it. Um, but there's another type of resilience, uh, which is line A here, uh, which is um, it's, it's a path of just like, you're resisting the stress. Like you were, you're okay before, you don't even like dip, like I'm sure you're probably stressed, but like you're, as far as like functioning goes, like you're pretty much the same. Like you still probably realize like you're fine, you're alive, um, like maybe everyone else around you is fine too. Like you, you're, um, you're lucky in that kind of sense. And then like, yeah, like you don't, you don't dip, you don't end up any better because uh, you still had to go through a hardship. Um, but there's, it's just, it's resistance uh, to that stress. And that's also very resilient, right? Like just uh, again, the fact that you don't, you didn't go down um, and you're functioning, your well being is still intact. Um, I won't spend too much time on the rest of these. Um, the rest of them are though, like the more negative paths um, when it comes to resiliency that um, there's of course like the flip side of it where um, it, it, when something happens, like, and understandably when something happens, like you, you just, you don't necessarily recover from it. Um, and that is, uh, like I, I hope with anything that I ever say here like that is never to be taken as like because you're not strong enough because you're not like smart enough because you're not whatever enough right like that that is not <laughs> the message here that is not right. and like like scientifically but also like personally like I'm not going to say that um because resilience is just so multifaceted uh there's so many different um things to be thinking about like uh if you if you've come from a family that like just never gave you support um or if like you you don't even know who your family is right like and you you like feel displaced um in, in life uh like and then this major thing happens like yeah of course like it, I, i'm not gonna blame you <laughs> for now feeling a little bit worse because like you you had a hurricane uh just like storm through your village right like that would be insane um and like yeah at the governmental level they're probably also letting you down like at other levels like there's just other things that are happening uh with that so like that's lines bd um g or h like those are uh, again just like the flip side uh, of resilience um anything that you want to say liz because i've been blabbering on for a bit well, i think the last thing what you said is like really telling and kind mm. of like can help segue to the next part because mm you know, everything's interrelated, you know, it's not just like your everyday, like situation and like path, but it's also, like you said, the government, um, different things that are going on. Right. So like the large systems. So I feel like it's, everything's like interrelated in that sense. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's maybe uh, unpack that a little bit more. Uh, let me stop sharing this <clears throat> because when it comes to resilience uh, and like when it comes to most psychological things, really, like we we shouldn't just be thinking about the individual. Like the individual, of course, has a place, and we should think about them to some degree. But like, what is an individual? They are a collection of other things, right? Like they are a collection of their past experiences, and their past experiences also involve like other people, other organizations, other like communities, right? Um, so. Uh, I mean, maybe Liz can, I could even explain this better than I can. Um, but I mean, do you want to try going through like Bronfenbrenner's? Yeah. So like, I mean, Bronfenbrenner, like the biggest idea is that like everything is like interrelated, right? All of these, like we have like the macro system, the micro system and like peers, um, family, everything's like interrelated. Um, so it's basically an ecological development model um, saying like all the outcomes are like multifaceted in that sense. Um, but there's also like this cultural anthropological um, way to look at it as well. So it's like the um, macro, macro system and the micro system. So it's like the idea that the, um, there's like a big C and a little C. So like your big C um, is things like, you know, uh, what is it? Societal values, politics, all of that. Whereas like little C um, is things like family, parental communication, um, norms and expectations that are part of your everyday life. So it's basically just like how they all combine you know to like form these outcomes right yeah so if, if we were to like maybe think about it uh in a, just like an everyday practical sort of sense um let's say uh you're you're living your life again uh, and like you're you're fine everything's okay no no positives but no necessarily any negatives either um but like we also have to think about all these other people that are in your life so let's say you are married you're at home uh you've been having an okay day but your partner comes home <laughs> and they have not had an okay day. Um, they, they come in, they're very stressed out uh, and they, their stress starts to like spill over onto you, right? Like they <laughs> might uh, snap at you. They might be a little bit angry. They might like wonder like what have you been doing all day? Like, uh, or it might even like, <laughs> hopefully this, this doesn't actually happen, but they might be resentful that like you have had such a like all right day, like <laughs> you should be suffering like me. Um, That's probably not so, healthy, um, but. <laughs> not healthy, um, but <laughs> I, I mean, I can imagine that it happens, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so these are these are the sorts of things that like uh, why we have to think about uh, what's also happening in their context. Um, these these different levels of system. Um, if you are a person that has um, uh, been like historically disadvantaged um, in America, let's say, like, and the government just has never given you like the appropriate uh, kind of like resources so that you could succeed, uh, if you could find the jobs that you want to find, if you want to be able to like um, have enough money for your your children or like for just I mean to live for yourself even right like not even <laughs> let's keep children out of this like <laughs> there's enough poverty there. <laughs> right yeah. um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can also imagine how that person, uh, like, I mean, that person could also become a very positively resilient person. That could, person could also uh, go, unfortunately, the other direction, right? Like, where um, they just, uh, if something happens, like, they just... Um, like, like topple over, like, I can't think of the, the uh, better word for this, but like, because there's been so much stress that has compounded up until that point, it's like that one last thing that was like that, um, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Um, You're just like, I've had enough, I can't anymore. <laughs> right. Um, so th yeah, that's, so that's why we have to really like, 
sit and think about like it, it's not just the person like uh, if it was just the person then like uh, again like psychology would be so easy if that was really the like the end thing here but everyone has such unique experiences some of them have a subset of like good things some of them have a subset of bad things like what does that mean like when they're all added together like it's not just like a one-to-one like <laughs> math like kind of problem right um so uh yeah different levels um of things that we should always be um, thinking about. But this also, unless there's something that you want to say, this reminds me of another question. No, no, no. I was just thinking in terms of like Braun from Brenner, but yeah. So because um, like we we know that all these different unique like situations uh, will build resilience in different ways, right? But should we also be thinking that resilience is different depending on the person? So like different adults, let's say, um, should we be like classifying what it means to be resilient different for different adults uh, or like um, maybe an adult versus a child, like someone who hasn't, like their brain literally hasn't developed yet uh, to like be resilient, right? They don't have the coping resources. They don't have the emotional regulation. Uh, so like, should resilience mean different things? I definitely think so. I mean, just my own viewpoint is that like children, just in terms of like what you're saying, like development and also like parental, right? Relationships and upbringing, like they're not in control of their surrounding environment. They don't have a say like, well, that's not always, but like usually it's the case that they don't have a say. So it is, it's difficult in that sense. So. Right. Yes. Uh, So uh, I mean, (laughs) I'll I'll bring it up uh, that, I mean, you you already kind of said a little bit about attachment, uh, but like this idea of like attachment, right? That if you're not secure uh, with the people around you, and especially like with your parents, and when you're at that young age, like, why should you be resilient? Like, (laughs) there's so many other things that are happening. But again, that doesn't uh, like predict it like 100%, right? Like just because you might uh, be insecure in your attachment style, that doesn't mean you're not resilient. You could be very well resilient, right? So that there's like this interesting like new theory that's, well, I shouldn't say new. It's like mm. the past like five years or so, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called social defense theory. And basically mm. they're trying to say that security can actually be like maybe maladaptive when mm. it comes to like threat um, and like stressful circumstances. So like maybe in the case of like a hurricane or something like that, um, when people are trying to evacuate, right, you would think that security would potentially be, um, would have like positive outcomes associated with that. But it may be the case that people are kind of waiting back, right, because they're trying to like rally up their loved ones. So what happens is they actually delay, right, getting out when they really should be evacuating. So these, um, these people basically say with this theory that um, maybe um, like anxiety, um, avoidance, these are what we call uh, conceptualize as um, insecure attachment, maybe mm-hmm. they might be um, beneficial in some ways. Yeah, uh, that that does make sense. Uh, if you, if you don't, first you don't care about anyone, <laughs> then you can just kind of take care of yourself and like you can build yourself up. Um, and like in, in those literally like those super practical like kind of moments, like are you staying behind to help anyone or are you are you out of there already? Um, the avoidant that's... people flee. So like they apparently the avoidant people, according to this theory, have mm. like a fight or flight. No, not fight or flight. Or just like fleeing scripts. They just like mm. leave. They probably are not waiting any loved ones mm. they're like i'm gonna book it and get out of here <laughs> uh, more power to them um like yeah i think avoiding uh, attachment styles definitely get a bad uh, reputation but like 
Yeah, there's different positives. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> um, all of this also kind of reminds me, though, like, I, I was literally just writing about this. Uh, so it's cool that, like, you're bringing this up. Uh, it's, a, it's a different spin on, like, what you're saying. But, like, the idea of, like, secure attachment styles, like, kind of potentially being, like, maladaptive, right? Like, if, uh, let's say I'm somebody's, like, secure base and, like, uh, <laughs> cool, right? I'm glad I'm that person for you. But, like, <laughs> if I am giving you help... I do wonder, like, at one point, am I, like, doing more damage by, like, giving help than, like, letting you build the resilience, right? Like, if I'm letting you just kind of, like, think through things, um, like, if I'm always there <laughs> giving you the right resources, like, of course, you feel supported, and that's great. Uh, but then it's, like, are you now also, like, are you a capable, like, agent yourself? Because I feel like that counteracts, like, resilience. Like, you have to have that individual component to, like, really reflect and, like, understand and be able to, like, bounce back from the stress, you know, mm -hmm. you can take the support of other people, but really like you have to, from an individual perspective, kind of like just deal with it and cope. So that's the lesson for today. Just deal with it. <laughs> just deal with it. <laughs> I mean, there's a better way to say it, but essentially. <laughs> um, I, so, I mean, everything that we're bringing up, I wrote a list of like just different things that could, um, uh, why different people might be resilient. So like we, we talked about attachment. I think it does make sense, um, both like from the secure uh, attachment standpoint, but also like from uh, an insecure uh, attachment standpoint, I think it might make sense to be resilient. Um, but also this idea of agency, self-efficacy, uh, mastery of your motivation system. If you are always looking for external sources, then like I think, yeah, it doesn't unfortunately make sense that like you probably won't be as resilient in these um, these like super uh, like crazy kind of like times um, because like, yeah, I mean, what what can you do? Like if, if all your resources are gone, like you now have to like really look at yourself and be like, uh, can you deal with this or not? Um, and uh, so, yeah, definitely things to be thinking about if you're not currently undergoing something. Um, hopefully <laughs> you can think about these things uh, at, at other points. But I mean, that's also something crazy that happens though, right? Like if something, if a natural disaster happens, like people do kind of have these epiphanies, um, sort of like Liz, you brought up this idea that like um, you realize uh, that like maybe you're taking things for granted before um, these other kind of epiphanies um, might, might be occurring as well. Yeah, definitely. I also like relatedly, um, it's interesting because you were talking about mastery, self-worth, that kind of thing. So I thought it was really cool how the um, paper mentioned that um, looking at people like over time. So those who um, overcame adversity, they appeared more confident um, and had reported more self-worth um, than those who weren't as resilient. And also they looked at people who weren't yet resilient, but were on the trajectory towards success. They actually showed change um, before the resilience being manifested. So I think that's, it's really telling, right. That we should mm -hmm. be like tracking people like throughout time. Granted, you don't know when an like a natural disaster or something is going to strike, but I mean, it would be cool to like plot people's resilience, like over longitudinally over mm -hmm. time and see like these changes firsthand. Yes, totally. Um, and I, I think there are like, there are definitely some surveillance sort of things that are out there that like, um, so uh, what I mean by surveillance is just like, literally there are organizations that collect data to see in general what are, what's happening. Um, and like over large, uh, like geographic areas, not just like, well, surveillance can, can be like a very small thing that's sorry i'm making this more complicated than it should be um surveillance is just that you are repeatedly sampling and measuring these people over and over again and so you can see things like across time uh, like 
what 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 is changing what's staying the same and like when these huge events happen then we can also see like what were some of these predictors and what are some of like the major consequences from this um without ever having to like do that yourself as an experimenter you you, you don't want to like uh so uh crazily uh stress somebody out right um you can't just like say like hey like you signed up to be in the study i'm gonna now take away your home like that'd be <laughs> take away your parents if it's kids you know no problem you don't <laughs> right no definitely not um so yeah okay so uh, we're out of time for today um but there's so much more to talk about and that's why we're devoting a whole month to this right um so uh, things to look forward to uh, we have just scraped the surface on resilience uh, more to come <laughs> yes definitely to come um hopefully from this talk though uh you were able to get like a sense of what uh resilience is uh, as far as like a definition um but also like the all the different paths that go with this right and that it's not just the individual that there's so many other things that could potentially um, push people in either direction when it comes to resilience um so uh, because of that, uh, we want to now focus on like specifically what are consequences of this and like uh, going through all the different like literature again, we're going to see like things like um, what are some emotional uh, kind of um, uh, outcomes of this? What are some physical health uh, kind of outcomes of this? Mental health outcomes, things like that. Um, so that's going to be next week. And then we're also going to be talking about like predictors of resilience. So like we sort of talked about that here, but like, let's spend a little bit more time on that and like really <laughs> unpack that. I think that'd be nice. <clears throat> and then we'll end this month uh, just talking a little bit more about like, I mean, do we even believe in this definition of resilience and like, are we measuring it the way that we really should be? Um, and maybe there's other things that should be going into it. So uh, that's that's uh, a look ahead on uh, some of the things uh, that we're going to be doing. Um, until then, uh, we are also still making other content uh, on our website, roomforresearch.com, as well as uh, everything that we are putting on social media, uh, which is um, at Room for Research um, on any social media platform that you can think of. And uh, until next time, thank you. Thank you for talking about resilience with me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next week, everyone. Yes. Bye for now. Bye. With the sun breeze.